the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Welcome to this July Fourth weekend. Should be uh, it should be a pretty good weekend, I think. I think the weather's going to cooperate a little bit, and uh, it's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of I, actually, I went to my first movie last night. I haven't been in the movies in an incredibly long time period, and wow, has that changed? <laughs> I just I'm, I'm just so perplexed. But anyway, it's uh, not this not the experience in the store or in the theater, but the movie, I mean, that the, wow, it's just a fantasy. It was one of those, um, uh, oh, movies about the, the fast, fast and furious. It was like, I think number nine or something like that. Anyway, talk, <laughs> talk about crazy. Um, but it was, it was kind of cool though. It was entertaining. So if you're out, don't have anything to do, just stop in, check it out. But anyway, I'm going to be talking a little bit today about, uh, oh, just, just the overall economy, uh, where this thing looks like it's headed. Where it, uh, but by the way, it, it'll change without warning. So it doesn't do a whole lot of good to really look at that kind of stuff. Uh, it's just interesting. Inevitably, valuations have a big impact on what returns are going to be going forward. The, um, we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. But you know what I'm seeing, you know, all this stuff, all of the money that's actually been spent and that they printed, everybody's getting kind of uh, anxious thinking that, you know, inflation's going to start coming out like it did in the 1970s and double digit inflation. And it's a lot higher. Uh, it's a lot higher than it was, you know, two, three years ago, four or five years ago. And that's a, that's concerning. That means your money doesn't buy quite as much stuff when you go into the store. 
which means you actually have to make more money to be able to keep up with the way that you used to live uh, or just have to spend more and save less. That's a, And that's a problem or can be a problem. So what do you do about that? Well, actually, the thing that you do about that is the same thing you do when you've got low inflation. You try to manage the risk in the portfolio that you have to the best of your ability. And so this is what I did. I went back to the worst time that you could get started investing. If you're a serious investor or let's say you just came up on retirement, what's the worst time in the last uh, 20 years that you could get or less 15 years that you could have started. And that would have been right around the beginning of November in 2007. When I say the worst time, worst time for the S and P 500, which a lot of people refer to as a stock market. It's not, it's only, it's actually the top 50 stocks, <laughs> but, and it's got half the money in the top 50 stocks and the other 50% are in 450 stocks. So it's basically, but it's so popular. That's the reason I decided to use it. And the other reason I decided to use it is because it's really volatile. I mean, really volatile. And if you'd started right when it started to peak, right before the 2008 election, and then it bottomed out in, in March of 2009 and was down about 57, over 50% over that time period. And let's say your name is Murphy or Bullington, <laughs> because that's what's going to happen when I retire. <laughs> Market's going to go down almost immediately. I can almost guarantee that. But so, yes, I will. I'll actually publish the date that I get ready to retire, which is uh, at the rate that I'm going. It's probably about 90. So it makes me feel good that Warren Buffett's still working. <laughs> but uh, actually, I want my goal in retirement is to make enough money to be able to work at Lowe's and uh, to spend whatever I make there. So, but when that day comes, you can bet it'll be a top in the stock market. And so here's what I did. I said, what if you put $100,000 and you put it in a 60% S&P 500 fund and 40% of it you put into a fixed income at 1%, like basically right around the current rates, 1%. And what if you paid a 1.25% management fee on top of all that, okay? Got 60% of the S&P 500, 40% is going to get 1% and you're going to pay a 1.25% management fee, which means the uh, fixed income paying 1% actually had a negative return. Think about that for a second. So why did I do this? Well, because I wanted to show you the worst possible scenario for a balance fund, for your average balance fund. Super low rates on bonds. Actually, the average balance fund had longer term bonds and got smacked around a little bit. So, um, this is a slight, not much, but it's a slight improvement. In fact, most bond funds have averaged more than 1% a year over that time period. So I guess I'm, I am kind of penalizing this portfolio a little bit. But here's here's what happens. So you put $100,000 in, and then not only did you start taking money out, you, you started taking out 4% a year. You increased it by 3% a year each year so that over the that time period from 2007 – to two thousand to current date, you've taken out sixty five thousand eight hundred thirty two dollars, so almost sixty six thousand dollars. 
Let me round it down to 65,000 because I always like to air to the conservative side. So $65,000, you start with a hundred grand. You had 60% of your money in the stock market, 40% of your money earning 1%, actually negative after fees. And you took out $65,000. You know how much money you have today? Actually, have $123,000. You have $23,000 more than you started with after you started at the worst possible time you could get started. And you've got more, and you took out over $65,000. That's amazing. That is, I was shocked when I did this illustration. By the way, I am not allowed to send this out. This information came from Morningstar. Uh, I have a license to access their information. If you are a client and you want to talk about this, yes, I can send it to you. If you are a prospect, you have to set up a phone appointment to be able to, or a, a come into the office to be able to, for me to hand this to you. I am not allowed to, to send it out mass mail, mass emails, none of that stuff. They get really upset if they ever find it. Actually, they'll take my license so uh, to use the, the material. And, but like I said, if if you want to, if you really want to talk about it, you know, just give me a call. I, I am the same way I am on the radio show. So if you don't like me here, you're not going to like me there. <laughs> just kind of kidding, but the uh, no pressure. I don't have time for that. I have a hard enough time keeping in touch with the people that want to hear from me. So, uh, but if you wanted to see this, I thought this was really. I I hadn't run this illustration before. It hadn't dawned on me to run this type of an illustration using a 1% interest rate and then charging the maximum fee so that the return was actually negative on 40% of the money. And you still took out two thirds of what you invested and you have more money than you started with. That's pretty good. That made me feel really good when I ran the uh, illustration. I have it right here with me in the office. So like I said, if you wanted to stop by, I just can't mail these out. That's that's the thing. You can't use regular mail and, and blast them out to everybody. If if you have a um, if you have an account, if you want to set up a, a phone appointment to go through it, I'll be glad to do that. But my point here was, I took an index that's extremely aggressive, that fluctuates a lot, started you at the worst possible time, and with forty percent of the money. Stuck in fixed income. That was a, uh, uh, I don't know how, <laughs> you can't paint that picture a whole lot worse than that. Okay, You can't paint it a whole lot worse than that. Now, if you had panicked and sold the way that an awful lot of people did or tried to time it up, I think I see this coming. No, you don't. That's a mirage. And right behind that mirage is a big tank that's just going to run you over. Don't try to jump in and jump out. By the way, this portfolio would have been rebalanced once a year. Every year, it goes in and rebalances. What does rebalance mean? Well, let's say you started the year, you had 100000 you had $60,000 in stock, 40% in fixed income. And then the uh, market corrected. It went down a lot. So it went, uh, let's see, that was about a 50% correction. So if you had 100,000, 60%, you'd be down about 30,000 bucks. Okay. And that's, that's it. This was down almost $30,000 over that time period from the starting point. Now, within the very first year, it was down about a little over $30,000. 
So, but if you didn't panic and you were all taking your distributions and you just kept taking them and, you know, you increase it by 4% a year. If you didn't panic, eventually you actually got above your starting point in 2017. Think about that for a second. So from 2007, you've been taking out all this money. You started at the worst possible time. You've been taking out all this money and then you're above where you started from and you have been taking money out each and every year. That is amazing. I can't tell you what a peace of mind some information like this can give you. You can go back and you can look at this. And this is what, this is what I do. I go back when the market's getting hit really hard. I go back and I pull these things out. I look at them. Everybody needs a coach. Even a coach needs a coach. Actually, I had to learn to coach myself. And I had coaches when I first started in the industry. There were lots of them. They were the old guys that you know were successful. They'd made it. They knew. They had lived through the very same things, especially at the time that I started in the business. There were a whole bunch of guys that had been in in the industry since the 1960s when you had a 13-year period where the S&P didn't make any money. So, and uh, it was very helpful. You know, I, I think about that all the time, how appreciative I am to be having had these guys come in. They were right around my age when I, when I was there and they were talking to me and they were uh, showing me, you know, hey, don't worry about this. The uh, It'll be okay. And I'm very thankful that, uh, you know, there's a little bit, a small element of luck to everybody's lives. And I've count myself very lucky to have been influenced by those guys. They, they, they knew, they knew what they were talking about and it gives you confidence. And now that, you know, they're gone, they've retired long ago. And I go back to this type of work and I think they would be uh, happy and I think they'd be impressed to see what kind of stuff that we can do now with our software. That has been amazing. In fact, a little bit later in today's show, when I start talking about the scans, I'm going to do some individual stock scans. That's the last part of each show. So if you wanted to take off and then come back, no, on 1145, <laughs> I'll show you how to skip this kind of talk. But I just thought this is uh, this is really important stuff. And I am going to be sending this out uh, to existing clients I have no problem with. My license covers that. No sweat. So this is going to be going out one at a time. So it may take an entire year to get this to everybody. But that's okay. The uh, And if you're listening and you're a client and you want it earlier than that, just call me up. Send me an email. Because I really think that this is a, is going to do a lot of good. Whenever you start hearing stuff on a television or reading stuff in papers or magazines or on the internet, you can pull this out. You can take a look at it. Yeah, things will be okay. By the way, the next segment that we're going to do here today, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the fixed index annuities. Why? Well, because that illustration that I just gave you had the uh, 40% of the money at 1%. I think you can do a little bit better than that. You can't do better than that if you're going to buy CDs okay, or short-term government bonds, which are considered to be the safest of the, well, the safer in the categories. And there are alternatives out there to help you with that. So there's a really good chance, is what I'm trying to say, that your return is actually even better 
then the return that I was talking about on this illustration. And that that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So anyway, the other thing that's that's very positive about this environment, I mean, I talk about deja vu. Everything except for valuations. In 1996, small caps were overpriced, like by a lot, because they had just gone on a tear from like 1992 all the way up to uh, 95, and they just ran like crazy, kind of like you've seen the stock market run over the past, the, the large stocks run over the past five, six years. They had really taken off. And the valuations there, I'm looking at going, wow. Oh man, that's uh, I don't know. (laughs) And then the large companies took off and started running, and they ran for five years, and they hadn't they hadn't participated much in the prior four to five years before that, and then it became their turn. That's another thing. The next seminar that we do, I'll bring that back up because it's unbelievable how well that had forecasted what was going to happen. Didn't say when, it just said what, what it would do, not when it would do it. That's if I ever get if I ever get a report that tells me when to do it, you'll know because I'll be buzzing everybody with my private jets constantly. Yeah, that when part is the the hardest part, and that's why it's so difficult when you're putting together a portfolio and you're thinking about you know trying to retire. How do I how do I stretch this out long enough? To be able to live over my life expectancy without running out of money. That's a, that's a really difficult thing to do. That's what this information is, is designed to try to help you do. I'm, right now I'm just explaining what's going on in the economy. When I was talking about the, you know, large company stocks took off in 1996, ran for almost five years. Actually, this, it started near the end of 95. So it was, it was almost five years. Why did it do that? Well, there was this little thing you might have heard about called the internet. A lot of people didn't know what it is what or what it was. I would say, do you have email? And uh, Or they would ask me, um, do you have, well, I forgot what the, uh, it was AOL's email service. Uh, they would say, do you, do you have AOL? Or whatever they called it. I can't even remember at this point. It's been a long time ago. But I go, you mean internet? And they go, no, AOL, it's different. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. I hear the music. I got to take a real quick commercial break. I'll be right back. This is Bill Bullington on 1420. Stay tuned. All the work that you do, so we think that you're good, and you can't believe it's not enough. Watching the time just ticking Clock runs around days in and out Can't really call it living Somewhere I let light go And we're back So I started off the show Today just talking about an illustration That uh, used 60% of the money invested Invested just in an S&P index fund, ETF, whatever you want 40% 40% at 1%, okay? Put a 1.25% management fee. Rebalance the portfolio once a year. If you had started at the worst possible time in the last uh, 15 years, which that would have been, yeah, October, or I'm sorry, would have been uh, November 2007, 
right before one big 50 plus percent drop. By the way, there was another 50 plus percent drop. Or no, it was actually closer to 50%. It wasn't 50%. Uh, that was the latest one. It was uh, high 30s. So anyway, one of the worst possible times you could have gotten started. And you t- then you took so was you were taking money out. You took out 4% of that in that first year, and then you increased it every year by 3% so that for if you put $100,000 in that portfolio and started pulling out 4%, right now you'd have taken out 65832 bucks. Okay. You'd have uh, paid $15,654 over that 13, 14-year time period in fees. It's not too bad over that entire time period. Your market value would be 123000 Now think about that. You started with the hundred. You took out sixty-five, almost $66,000, paid all your fees, and you still had $123,000 left. So if you would like to see this, feel free to call me. We'll have to set up a phone meeting. If you're a client, I can already have the license to, to send this to you. If you'd like to see this illustration, I think this is a really good one. Uh, now, what I'm going to concentrate on this segment of to, of the show today is the fixed portion of that. So I had 40% of it earning 1% before fees. So after fees, it's actually negative. 40% of the money. What if I just took, I don't know, maybe two-thirds of that money and put it into a fixed product that had a higher interest rate? So if I had around uh, two-thirds of the money, let's say that's around 24 25% of the total. Two-thirds of the fixed account at 40% is a, uh, it's about 25%. So if I took 25% of the total and I was getting a, a higher return on that, that's going to make these returns significantly higher. So if I can, if I can do something that's better than 1%, I'm going to increase the returns. Does that make sense? That's where I was. That's why I've started uh, using the fixed indexed products because depending on your age, okay, they have different rates and they're, they're a lot more than 1%. The guaranteed rates are a lot more than 1%. And that's kind of all I, I really want to say about that. But I also want to say that if you want to see what those are like, hit me up on an email or give us a call. Three three zero six six four zero seven hundred. I'll send you to this website. I'll, I'll give you the link. You can click on it. You can put your age in there, the kind of money you have, or let's say you wanted to say how much money would I need to have this much in income, and it'll show you. It'll show you right there. So that's a big deal. That's going to have a really big impact. My opinion is going to have a really big impact over the next few years as interest rates start to creep up at some point in time. That might be 10 years, and they're not going to go up fast, I can tell you that. But I think you're going to have interest rates right around, right between 1% and 2%, probably over the next 5 to 10 years. I mean, think about it. 5 to 10 years, no sweat. If you're the federal government, and you, and you just printed up all that money and circulated it, and you had to issue debt in order to do that, and you got to pick your own interest rate, what would you do? If you got to pick your own interest rate, what would you do? Yeah, that's that's my point. You know, they're not going to want to raise interest rates anytime soon, especially with all the debt that they've added on to the existing debt. Okay, so I I think, and this is a, a personal opinion here. I'm giving my opinion that I think interest rates are going to be relatively low. 
for the foreseeable future. By that I mean five to ten years. No sweat. So if you're looking for something that's got a whole lot of safety, you're probably going to have to look outside and you want to make more than, you know, want to earn more than one or 2% and 2% would be a great return in that environment as far as I'm concerned. But if you're going to try to make more than that, you're going to have to do something different. And that's where your fixed indexed products come in. I like the fixed index. They give you the chance to make money. Uh, I doubt that the investments will actually outperform the, the fixed portion that is guaranteed by the insurance company. So you can take a look at that again. Uh, just hit me up. I'll send you the, the information. It's much better. If you go onto the website, you can see maybe next week I'll prepare a couple like uh, examples like I did the hypothetical portfolio today. And I'll go over those at, at that point in time. So I'll, uh, I'll actually leave that topic. Now, there's also there's another version of an annuity that's relatively new for the industry. And it's called an investment only. So the expenses are extremely low because all you're really paying for here is tax deferral. That's what you're paying for, tax deferral. You can invest in mutual funds. There's no sales charge in. There's no sales charge out, not in the product that I'm using. And again, if you want information on it, go to my website, contact us. Make sure you fill in the question, though. When you just hit contact us, I don't know what you're, I have no idea what you want because I talk about so many things on the show. You need to fill that place in. I get a lot of people that go ahead and say, yeah, I'd like to see that information. Then they don't tell me what it is. And so I'm just kind of guessing. But so tell me what you're looking for. This is the investment only annuity. Uh, there aren't very many companies that offer them. They don't have any sales charges going in. There's no penalty for early withdrawals. There's no, or sales charges when you go out. Um, if you, it's tax deferred. So if you're under the age of 59 and a half and you make an investment and then you want to pull it out before you turn 59 and a half, the gain that you made will probably have a penalty on it. So this is longer term retirement money, not something where you're going to park it for your kid's college or, you know, that, that summer home that you're going to build, um, when you retire or whatever that you want to use this specifically to supplement your retirement um, because if you get out, there's there aren't no, any sales penalties, but there are taxes. So if you're not taking money out, then their taxes are deferred. That's a big deal. You're earning, you don't have um, control over the capital gains or dividends that get paid by many mutual funds. And oftentimes it's a really negative surprise when you've invested in some fund and, and you've had a lot of activity in the market and this year all of a sudden you get a big 1099 and you have to pay all these taxes on money that you never touched or spent. You just reinvested it. Okay. These types of products will remove that. It'll let, they don't issue a 1099 unless you actually took the money out. So as long as the money's there and, and it's reinvesting, you're not paying taxes on it. That makes a big difference. And for you younger people out there in your 40s, you know, younger now, <laughs> I'm saying younger now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I used to be there a long time ago. But the uh, if you're looking to accumulate wealth and do it in a tax-efficient manner, uh, but you're worried about getting hung up with a traditional annuity that's, that has you obligated for 8, 9, or 10 years, some of them even 15 years, but the, uh, um, you don't want 
you don't want to lock the money up. This might be a really good option, especially if it's money that you're setting aside that you're hoping to help you supplement your retirement in addition to your 401k contributions. It's got a ton of different areas in it. If you're an older person, there is a rider that you can add to this that will guarantee a 4% income for an individual. They only charge a half a percent a year. So uh, this one is super flexible. And it it can get kind of complicated, especially when you hear all this really good stuff, but maybe only one or two of the items actually pertain to you. Uh, The other things on there can actually get a little confusing. And uh, um, I apologize about that. That's just kind of the way it is. That's one of the reasons I have a job. But if you're looking at controlling wealth, let's say you've got trusts set up. There are lots of trusts that, that and, and by the way, you need to check this with your attorney and your tax preparer. But from my understanding, there are trusts that you can set up and the trust can own these products and it defers the capital gains and dividends from taxes for the trust too. That's relatively new. That's within the last few years. Yeah. So it's amazing. It's just amazing what all the, how many options there are. I feel really good about that. There are a lot of different options for people and they're so flexible. And then you have the regular portfolios, which I think are also going to do really well. Uh, I watch the market crash tomorrow just because I said that, but I mean, on Tuesday when everything reopens, um, probably not, but you know, we've got things going on when, when the, Economy's moving in the right direction when the when the Fed is helping out, when the federal government is helping out, uh, when people are buying, when they're spending money. That those are really good times. When there's massive innovation, you know, like the internet. You, you know what the internet of the 1980 was? 80s was. It was cable television. I remember coming home from high school and seeing all these little. Ditch witches all over the place, putting the, the mini um, ditches down so they could lay the cable. It was everywhere. That provided an enormous number of jobs. It, it created an entire industry. Now they're running, you know, super high speed fiber optic internet over those same uh, licenses in, uh, in many of the areas. And at some point in time, that most of that stuff probably goes wireless, which will um, mean that that stuff, they'll find some other use for that, I'm sure. But my point is that these major innovations bring about a whole lot of change. It helps the economy grow. And that's where, if you're looking to see what the future may hold, it's kind of the speed at at which this stuff is being rolled out. This, This pandemic actually helped in a lot of those areas to try to get Number one, that the grid needs to be rebuilt. Ask anybody that lives in Texas. Got that crazy snowstorm that knocked everything out, everything out there. They probably need to put more of the wires under the ground instead of, you know, up in the air. And I'm sure a lot of that was underground, but looking around the United States, man, there's a ton of cable (laughs) everywhere. Yeah. Just in fact, I have a client who's, he's an electrical contractor and he was, uh, and he's from Russia. And he was uh, laughing. He was musing about it. He's like, you know, America looks like a third world country. All the uh, lines above the ground, they don't do that in Europe and Russia. 
put them underground. It's it's a little safer under there, by the way. You know, every time a tornado comes, you don't have to go and rebuild the whole thing. So it's pretty smart. And there's an awful lot of that work that really needs to be done. The United States is not the most advanced country anymore. You go to a lot of third world countries. And by the way, in our defense, we already have a bunch of infrastructure that's got to be dug up and replaced before we can put the new stuff in. And they're just starting from scratch, so they don't have to do that. That's one of the reasons that a lot of these countries are actually ahead of us as far as that goes. So the good news is we're catching up, and there seems to be a a, a lot of demand, not just from the people who are subscribing to the products, you know, I don't... Uh, most of the companies now have 5G phones, and when you go across the country, if you look down at your phone, you can see when you're in a 5G 5G network, and there's a difference. It goes a whole lot faster. Why is that important? Well, there are tons of reasons for that. It, it, bottom line is it's going to lead to, it's leading to economic growth, and that's what you want to see. You want to see growth, not stagnation, and uh, that's happening at a rate that's probably as fast or faster than the rates that were occurring when the internet was being built up. The thing was, the internet was, it was more pronounced. You could, it wasn't as difficult for the average person to see, uh, or measure because it's all they talked about. A lot of the technologies that they're rolling out today, the redistribution on the grid, rebuilding the grid, they talk a lot about the highways, but you know, you can see the chuck holes there. That's, that's an easy one, but you can't see the power lines that are increasing capacity because it looks like the old power line. And uh, you, the people that are working on it know it, but the people that don't, like myself, I'm driving around going, wow, I wonder what all this equipment is driving up and down the highways. And uh, that that's a big deal. We need a lot of stuff. You've got a 330 million person population that's growing every year. That's, that's a lot of, of lives to take care of. So I, I feel really good about that. The only thing I'm, uh, I, if I had my druthers, I just wish that the valuations were a little bit lower on stocks. I don't think it's a huge problem right now. Is it a big, is it a problem? Yeah, it's a problem. It's a smaller problem. It could get bigger if the valuations continue to go up. And you could have a, a really long sideways time period here where the stocks just don't do that well. And that's easy to imagine. That's when you got to get these charts out. Go look back over the past 10, 15 years, 20 years. See, because we've had those time periods. If you started in March of 2000, you've had a 12-year negative return in the S&P 500. But if you were rebalancing your portfolio and you had some money in fixed income, guess what? Depending on how often you did it, you had a fairly decent return. Somewhere in the uh, 5% range or so. Actually, I'll run that one for next week's show. You're listening to Bill Bullink. I'm going to take a real quick commercial break. I'll be right back. Stay tuned.
we're back. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Feel free to reach out by going to my website with any questions that you have. My website is bullingtoncapital.com. You can also call us 330-664-0700. If you wanted a copy of the illustration that we'd been talking about earlier in the show, again, you just have to set up a uh, phone meeting. You have to be able to talk and establish a relationship. Basically, that's what we need to do, even if it's only a phone relationship. The, uh, um, I can't, um, my license doesn't allow me just to distribute that openly to the public. It's got to be somebody who's actually interested in doing research on portfolios for themselves or family. So, uh, if you are a client, then automatically you can, I can send you a copy of it. And I just thought it was really interesting. It was a good thing to have. Uh, you know, I go back and I refer to stuff all the time. Well, how did we get through this the last time this happened? What was the key to surviving the last big correction? And uh, the keys are always typically about the same. It's not as active as you would think. The people that think you can jump in and jump out, 99.9% of them always get you know, get burned. And I, I have a feeling that other one-tenth of one percent is probably getting burned as well, and they're just not admitting it. <laughs> but the, uh, the bottom line is forecasting the stock market into the near-term future with a high degree of accuracy, nobody's ever made a living doing that. And it's just really tough. So anyway, so I thought I would also, uh, you know, this is going to be the last section of today's show where I want to talk about individual stocks. And, you know, this is kind of where I got my start in the business was talking about individual stocks um, because if we did a whole lot more of it back in those days. Uh, today, I think there's a, you know, once it's in your blood, <laughs> You kind of, uh, you, you want to do that sort of thing. We said the same thing about carpenters. They had um, sawdust running through their veins. But anyway, if, if you've ever done any longer-term trading, short-term trading I'm not really fond of. It, it is incredibly difficult to do. It was it was hard when it was easy. And now it's just, it's it's almost impossible. It's just really, really tough. So when I'm looking at this stuff, this is really for longer-term uh, investments, things that, yeah, now you can get stopped out in one day, by the way, you could buy something, some bad news comes out and it's going to turn around and hit you tomorrow. Uh, the instructions for managing your risk are on the website, look out for the bull.com and it's called the, uh, the 1% uh, rule. So if you go and look at that, the 1% rule, if you apply that, you're going to make it really difficult to do a lot of damage in your portfolio. If you do it long enough, it I've been pretty successful with it. I know a lot of other people that have been successful with it. Heck, I know people that have, have done a lot better than I have using the same rules. It's just getting the rules down. And that that's one of the things I think is kind of missing from today. A set of simple rules. Your rules do not have to be complicated. The S&P 500 is really not that complicated. They take all the companies that trade in the United States on the major exchanges and they line them up by market cap. That's basically size. And they buy the top 500 based on what percentage of that 500 stocks that they make up. That's called market cap weight. That's it. That's all there is. And that's the index that's done so well for so long. And there are a bunch of other 
criteria uh, or that I like to use with other types of funds because I'm not super fond of just having 50% of my money in just 50 stocks with a big chunk of my retirement. So um, I have these stocks that are in there, but they're just broken up a little bit differently. And it's the rules that in the long run are going to make the difference. In the short run, your guess is as good as anybody's. It's as good as mine in the short run. And the short run is anything less than five years. That normally uh, hurts a lot of people when they hear that because they're thinking that, you know, somebody, they've saw an ad somewhere that somebody can predict what's going to happen over the next one or two years or the next few weeks. And uh, then they spend a bunch of money on this stuff and, and it doesn't work. Don't feel bad. I, I could retire on all the money I spent on all the scams that were out there. It was a lot harder to check out, check them out without paying for them, you know, before the internet was here. So I wouldn't feel too badly about that. Just understand you don't need to do that to be successful. That illustration I was talking about a little earlier in today's program was somebody who had invested at the exact top and then just stuck to what they were doing and did exceptionally well. I think especially in a current interest rate environment, the, the net return on that was 4.95%. Now that's, that's, that is not in this day and age that that's really good given what it's done. Now there are, there are a lot of funds that have done better than that. Yeah, but there aren't very many that have done better with taking less risk. Let's put it that way. So on a risk adjusted basis, that's actually pretty good. There's a, there are some, you know, this is, Basically, what I try to do is, is diversify a little bit more, spread it out a little bit more, and look at the uh, factors that are going to make, that have made a big difference in the long run over the last 50 or 60 years, and try to include that as well as the S&P 500 stocks. So I'm trying to smooth that out so that the rebound is a little bit quicker. They're all going to go down, but they don't come back at the same pace. And if we can do that, and if we can add a you know one or two percent on top of that, woohoo! That that really adds up over time. So anyway, I'm going through my scans, and I've been doing this now for uh, years. I'm doing it slightly. Actually, I'm just taking more time and and putting a lot more labor into it over the past few weeks. Why? Uh, because I'm thinking about doing something, and uh, I'm not ready to talk about it yet. <laughs> But I will talk about stuff that's showing up. And there's a company called IDT. They've been around for a long time, communication services, telecom company. And man, when that thing, something really happened. It's pretty funny. Back in 2004, the stock was $71. In 2009, it got down to $1.80. Wow. And it goes up in 2011. Let's see what the higher prices were. To from it goes from two dollars and eighty cents to twenty nine bucks. That's pretty big. And it goes back down again, up and down. in in two thousand nineteen, it was five dollars and twenty five cents. So now this company is forty five dollars and thirty eight cents. It's been on a tear over the last few months, and it came up on the scan. It's been coming up on scans fairly frequently. And I just thought I would mention it because it came up again and it was up 15% a day. It closed near the low of the day. I'm not a big fan of that, but the, uh, um, that would be something that if you use the 1% rule, 
No problem. You can buy it, put your stops on there, and let it rip. Interesting that Costco came up. Yeah, that's a, uh, like seeing Costco there. Hard for me to imagine Costco is going to run a mile anytime real soon. Uh, there's a company that this, this is one that I kind of like to see. It was up 11%. It's called Santander Consumer USA Holdings Financial Services Credit Services. So I'm not hugely familiar with the company. I am familiar with the type of chart that's there. It's typically called a breakaway gap. Now this is going to work in one of two ways. It normally will either take off right away or it will stop you out right away. So the good news is you won't have to wait that long to find out in most cases. Uh, the bad news is you know, it's going to be a stock. <laughs> Here's a biotech company, Alkermes, A-L-K-S. I like the chart pattern on that too. Pretty classic. It's actually, uh, there was a cup and handle for all you Investor Business Daily guys that uh, it broke out of oh, back in the beginning of June. Went up. Pulled back, now is coming to challenge those old highs. If you don't know what that language I said just I just said means, don't worry about it. Yeah, just keep listening. I'll keep describing it. So because this is, and, and I'll tell you what I was talking about. The stock at $25.15, it, that was the highest closing price over the last month or so. And right after it hit that price, it went sideways a little bit, then it jumped up, looked like it was going to get gapped open, sold off, closed in the bottom half of that day's range, and then proceeded to come fall back. Now it started to re-exert itself in an upward direction. It just closed at a 30-day high, and uh, which is kind of significant, a 30-day high close. And after having gone up this far, you know, the ride might not be over. The fact that, that it's in biotech is interesting. The fact that Telechart says the price to sales ratio is only 2.86. I'll have to double check that. That's very interesting because that means you're paying $2.86 for every dollar's worth of sales a company has. Is that good or not? For a biotech company, that's cheap. That's really cheap. So that one's a ALKS. Listen to me. I'm talking myself into buying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy it on Monday, and this is what I would do. I'm, in fact, I'm gonna uh, on Tuesday. I'm gonna buy this, and I'll give you till ten o'clock because I can't. You know, now that I announced it, I gotta give you guys time to get in ahead of me. And uh, not that I think that's gonna do any good, but I'm gonna put a ten percent stop on it. I'm gonna trail my stop at the low of the last thirty days. And if you don't know what that means, tune in next week when we focus on that. Other than that, have a good week, everybody. Good luck and get investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.